podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. there really are worse things you could do at a Kansas football game than crochet. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 10-12 podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. Okay, we, we have our game of the week preview. Obviously, it's the Red River showdown, shootout, rivalry, whatever. Two great guests, a little weird. Uh, Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7 joins us. She's up first, and then Joe Bettner joins us a little bit later, and then we have both at the same time. Joe Bettner from the Norman Transcript and another Sooner podcast. Love having both of them on. This is a lot of fun. Obviously, it's a big game to talk about. We have plenty to talk about. We talk about whether the likelihood and possibility of those two teams meeting again at the end of the season impacts the importance of this game talk about injuries, which are a big problem for both teams, and just kind of what we expect to see on Saturday. We're going to see another close game like we kind of have the last few meetings. And of course, we can't wrap up this conversation without at least talking about our favorite things to get at the Texas State Fair because there's so much awesomeness there. Before we get to that, if you are subscribed to The Athletic, then I hope you have read the fantastic story about Haley Solomon. If you watch the Owens Kansas game, there was a shot of a woman in the stands crocheting. That is Haley Solomon, and she is fantastic. Nicole Auerbach, who is the best in the business at writing these kinds of unique stories in sports. If you are subscribed to The Athletic, you need to go find this. If you're not, you need to subscribe and go read the story. It is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it really is. It's a fun thing. Like, seriously. She's crocheting in the stands at a Kansas game. There, there are worse things you can do at a Kansas game, like watch Kansas football. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding, Jayhawks. I, I mean, kind of. So she was doing to the half-hour rain delay prior to kickoff. Uh, clip went viral, obviously. But the story goes so far into what she was crocheting and the, how her grandmother was the reason for all of this and her love for crocheting. And she has what I think 
It was just about one of the best quotes ever. Quote, Though I know football is a well of pastime, I've never taken to it, so I brought my crocheting to keep me busy until the presentation. Uh, We're only referring to Kansas football games as the presentation from now on. I sat away from the crowd so I had to have a good view and uh, contently worked away at a little pot holder before the game began. Once it did, I watched it for a bit, but somehow got turned around and managed to lose track of which direction my team was supposed to be going. Haley Solomon, you are a gem, and I, I hope you are enjoying and getting to make the moment most out of uh, out of your moment. It's because it's it's fantastic. All right, um, this is usually where we plug ESPN Plus. Uh, if you don't know by now, you should probably go ahead and get subscribed. College basketball is like four weeks away, and there are going to be dozens of men's and women's basketball games on ESPN Plus for Big Twelve teams. Okay, that includes conference games, games you're absolutely not going to want to miss. So. We can help you get signed up. Just go to our Twitter account at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. There is a tweet pinned to the top of the page. Click the link there. Get it all filled out. Pay your $4.99 or get your free trial if this is the first time you've used it. Get all the great Big 12 now action. Don't miss a single moment of the fantastic Big 12 college basketball season this year. It's like a perfect time in the season for there to only be three games when one of the biggest games every year happens to fall on this Saturday. So, of course, we're previewing the Red River shootout or Red River rivalry or Red River, whatever you want to call it. I know there's an official name, but I just rivalry makes so much more sense. It's why would you call it rivalry? Like it alliteration here. R, R, R. Why would what? I understand not having shootout. Like, I mean, it is Texas, but guns. Showdown is like, okay, it's a showdown. That's the least exciting word you could possibly use to describe a, a rivalry that's this heated. Uh, so we were going to have an OU guest. Um, he he was unable to make it, but we do have one of my favorite UT guests on to join us today. Taylor Estes from 24-7 Horns is on the show. Taylor, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Philip. I'm um, happy to join you tonight. So the the one good thing for OU fans is that Taylor is like one of the least biased UT writers that you're going to find, which is also why a lot of the UT fans don't actually like her, even though I think she's pretty fantastic. So Yeah, I, I definitely get some heat sometimes, but you know what? The reality is I have no dog in this fight. So I'm going to talk up the teams that need to be talked up, and I'm going to talk down the teams that need to be talked down. <laughs> Okay, so I want to start here. Obviously, this is a, a huge rivalry, and and now that Texas is kind of carrying, is back to being nationally relevant. Um, we could argue this this rivalry dipped for a decade. Obviously, not between the two teams, but even for the Big Twelve, you could argue Bedlam became a more important game for OU over the last for for about a decade and had a bigger impact on on the final standings of the Big Twelve. Well, now Texas is back. I'm going to say it. I hate that I just said that, but I did. Uh, Texas is back. Um, they they matter now, and this game matters a lot. But I am curious. You know, they obviously they met twice last year, which was weird, and there's a very good chance they meet twice again this year. Do you think that the potential of them meeting in the Big 12 championship game reduces the level of importance of this game or, or, or has any sort of a negative effect where it just doesn't mean as much as when they just played once a year? I don't think so, personally. You know, I think that 
the reality is, is when you have two teams like a Texas and an Oklahoma or an Alabama and an Auburn or whoever it may be, these longtime rivalries, whenever they take the field against each other, it's going to be a heated battle. And, you know, you talked about in the opening about what do you call it? The Red River Showdown, the Red River Rivalry, the Red River Shootout. The reality is this has always been a shootout, I think. When these two teams take the field, you just never know. You throw records out the window. You throw you know, predictions out the window. These two teams have such a heated rivalry that I don't know what it would take unless it's a situation where, you know, OU were to bolt the Big 12 like how A&M did and leave the SC where they're not playing anymore. You're still always going to have that type of rivalry between these two programs. Now, you know, I talked to Texas players today and they were talking about, you know, that that was a question that was asked of a lot of them. And they all kind of had the same type of opinion. Like, it doesn't matter when these two teams face off, it's always going to be a heated battle. But there is a difference when you are taking the field of the Cotton Bowl as opposed to, you know, the field of Jerry World for the Big 12 championship because the just the whole State Fair of Texas, the, the Cotton Bowl, the division at the 50-yard line, I mean, it's such a unique experience that it would take some serious just messing up in order to make this rivalry not a big deal. So I definitely don't think that you know, the the option of them possibly playing each other twice a year, which, as you mentioned, Philip, you know, is a possibility probably this year again. I don't think that hurts it at all. If anything, it makes it a little bit more heated towards the end of the year because you saw what happened in the OU Texas game last year. You know, Texas somehow pulled it off the win and everybody was riding high on Texas and they face off in the Big Chop Championship game where, you know, a game that matters towards of the postseason and then Oklahoma wins. And you know that Texas, you know, players and fans, I think, still have that in the back of their mind where they're like the last time they faced off. Sure, they had the golden half trophy, but they lost a championship, you know, conference championship to Oklahoma. So I just really don't think that anything's really unless, you know, these two teams don't play anymore or something like that. Nothing is going to really destroy this, regardless of how many times they face each other each year. What I'm wondering is. Is you know in the early 2000s when this conference came down to whoever won the this game was most likely going to play in the Big 12 championship against the North and then the I mean the winner had the straight shot to the um, BCS Bowl national championship game whatever it was this was the game they had to win does that change when now you're looking to having to beat two in a row and if this trend goes continues where the team that wins this game loses the championship game, does this become a game they don't want to win because it's so hard to beat, especially at this caliber, it's so hard to win these games twice? Yeah, I think that's something that you have to really pay attention to because you're right. Like it's it's not common for teams to really beat opponents twice in a season. I think history has shown that. And so I definitely think and I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, the bragging rights are always on the line when these two teams meet in the Cotton Bowl because whether it's from the fans, whether it's from the players on the field, whether it's from the coaches, whatever, you have bragging rights. You're you're kind of playing for your state. So Oklahoma is playing for the state of Oklahoma, the north of the Red River. You know, they want to take home that Golden Hat Trophy where Texas, you know, they want to take it home, be on the south side of the Red River. And I think that that's something that, you know, that while like, Everybody, you know, you want to win championships, obviously, and I'm not diminishing that. The type of historic type of bragging rights that come and follow this game, I don't think will ever make it to where 
people are entering the, you know, Texas OU or OU Texas game, whichever side you call it <laughs> because of where you live. Um, I don't think that they're ever going to go and saying like, oh, yeah, let's let's just give up the bragging rights for the rest of the season because we might face them in the Big 12 championship. I think there's too many things on the line there to really have either one of these teams go in not ready to just pounce on the other one. Okay, so this is fun. Uh, we I know we said that we didn't have our OU guest, but Joe Bettner. Uh, from the Norman Transcript and from the uh, Another Sooner podcast is joining us now to bring the OU side of this. This is this is this is different, but I don't care. This is fun. Uh, Joe, welcome back to the show, man. It's been a while. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know I thought uh, I thought you guys forgot me. You got too big time, but I'm glad to, I'm glad to be back on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I promise. We're we're still operating out of uh, bathrooms and uh, closets. Um, so now that Joe's here, let's do this. One thing that I think has a big effect on this game is injuries, and both teams are are dealing with them. And Joe, uh, I want to start with you on this one. Obviously, there's two offensive linemen who are expected to be out for this game in uh, Adrian Ely and I uh, forget the other one. Um, uh, Eric Swenson. Thank you. So this will be a different offensive line for, I think, like the – Already the sixth week in a row, I think OU's been kind of shuffling it around. How big of an impact does this have on this game? And are there any other injuries that 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 could impact uh, what happens on the field? I mean, it's not great, but if if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna be maybe injured in one area for Oklahoma, it's offensive line. Not that you want to be injured, but they're very deep there. They've got some really young guys, and throwing them out there in the fire of OU Texas isn't the best thing in the world. Not the best situation. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, Adrian Ely, there's still a chance he plays. It's so unclear what exactly happened with him, but Eric Swenson, uh, looks like he'll be for sure out, which, you know, puts a lot of young guys out there, but I, I don't think that it really necessarily hurts what OU does offensively just cause I'm, you know, it's kind of one of those things until Lincoln Riley proves otherwise, you just kind of got to trust that he's going to make do with what he's got. Uh, but I don't think there's really any two big of injuries other than you know maybe Kennedy Brooks I'm not sure how quick they are to kind of get him going after the hit he took uh, at Texas Tech and so other than that I mean it, it's been a it's probably been the weakest point of OU their offensive line so far this season but overall you know it's a, it's a situation that I mean Texas has been very physical with Oklahoma and uh, it's it's gonna I think it's gonna be a really good test though for for Jalen Hurts and the running backs. Obviously, Texas has been dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, Colin Johnson has has dealt with some. Caden Stearns, a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Taylor, what does the uh, what's the current status as far as health for the Texas team? Who could be back for this game, and, and who are they going to be missing? Yeah, so uh, Texas is expected to have Colin Johnson back uh, for this. You know, he was technically cleared for last week's game against West Virginia, but Tom Herman had said prior to the game that he did not want to use him unless an emergency <coughs> type of scenario were to present itself. Um, you know, with him just being kind of a difference maker for receiver. I mean, Texas has a number of receivers right now that are playing um, at an elite level, but, you know, t- I think Colin Johnson's just like, when you think of the 50-50 ball type of player, that's exactly what he mm-hmm. is. And that's something that Texas hasn't really had in the last couple of games. Um, so they didn't, what they didn't want to do with him is have that hamstring injury with it being a hamstring, just continue to nag him throughout his senior season. So he technically was cleared last week. I think he's going to be even, you know, it, as long as there's no setbacks in practice, even healthier 
um, this week going into the Oklahoma game. But on the defensive side of the ball is where Texas is really struggling. Uh, Texas will be without Caden Stearns starting safety, who's been battling with um, a knee injury. They'll also be out uh, the starting corner in Jalen Green, who missed last week's against West or last week's game against West Virginia uh, with now I'm, a shoulder injury. I'm sorry, he dislocated his shoulder in the game against Oklahoma State, and then uh, they'll also be out um, the starting nickelback, who was Josh Thompson. He could be facing, from my sources, what I've heard could potentially be a regular season-ending injury. Um, he had surgery on his foot. So he's going to be out for a while. So Texas still is struggling a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, mainly in the secondary with having some different guys kind of being tossed in the mix. And that's really an area entering the season that Texas couldn't really afford injuries at. You know, I mean, they're already looking to replace their two starting corners from last year's team. And so they have two new starters at both corner positions who have been kind of going through those inexperienced young type of player um, ups and downs that you see pretty much with anybody um, that has to be like thrust into a first time starting type of role. So, you know, the, the Texas secondary is definitely um, questionable at best right now. Now they have Brandon Jones, a senior at safety who has always been pretty solid for Texas, especially as an upperclassman. And then Chris Brown, um, who has come along really a long ways as a, a starting safety for Texas. So they do have, you know, um, more, I guess, experienced guys, guys that they can rely on more in the safety role, but the corners are still definitely questionable. So that's something facing an Oklahoma team that is averaging, what, over 700 yards of offense. Uh, you probably never want to be in that situation if you're going up against this type of offense. Yeah, definitely not the best situation going into facing Oklahoma. But BJ Foster is back. He played last weekend. Uh, what kind of role will he have this week? Yeah, I think that he'll be kind of in that starting type of nickelback type of position. Um, he's one of those players that is the hard-hitting type of safeties at Texas. You know, you saw it in his true freshman year. And um, as long as he's healthy, he can be kind of that third defensive back in there that Texas runs so many different types of packages with multiple defensive backs and multiple looks in the secondary. So he'll definitely be a main contributor in this game. On the offensive side... You know, uh, the running back position has just been decimated. They got down to Ingram as the lone scholarship back, and they moved over Rashawn Johnson uh, to play backup. And then Ingram's, you know, banged up last week. Uh, what are the concerns on the offensive side of the ball? You know, I think I think everybody has been probably just absolutely shocked at the production that Rashawn Johnson has been able to bring to the offense. Because you're right. I mean, going into the season, Texas had – two scholarship running backs available and healthy, but their second one in County Ingram was the number mm. one. Their second one was Jordan Whittington, a true freshman who moved from wide receiver to running back because the, the depth there was already kind of questionable in spring practice. And then he had a nagging sports hernia injury, which he had surgically repaired in high school, but I don't know what happened from there. Um, he had to get surgery again on it. And he, that happened. He only had two carries against Louisiana tech in week one. And he was gone for, you know, he's going to be gone for probably, I think what they had said initially about six weeks. So he might be back next week, but definitely not for this one. So I think a lot of people entered the season and myself included thinking, man, they're not going to have a ground game. They can't really afford to have Sam Ellinger run the ball too much because I don't necessarily know that you want to replace Sam Ellinger for Casey Thompson. That's not a knock on Casey Thompson at all, but it's a redshirt freshman quarterback who has not played. 
And when you have a junior quarterback who has played a lot and has really kind of been the face of the turnaround of Texas football, I think that, you know, that was such a huge question. But Rashawn Johnson has been more than money for Texas as a running back. I mean, if he's called upon to handle the brunt of the carries, I don't think there are many people on the Texas side of things that would be concerned about him taking on a heavier role, even if Keontae Ingram, you know, I think, I think Keontae Ingram's fine for this game. He's going to be a full participant, but I think a lot of people are getting more and more um, trust in uh, Rashawn Johnson because of his production early in the season. Yeah. He's looked good pretty early on. Okay. So let's talk about what um, I think is the most important thing in this game. It's the horns down. Oh gosh! <laughs> or the the lack of I mean, we can't we can't talk about this game and not discuss this. Oh no, we, we definitely could. The situ oh no no no, the situation that has gone I want to say too far in, in the the opposite direction, and I, and I'm gonna get both of your opinions on this because it it just seems so silly, but it, it just keeps growing and growing, and now we're having. Coaches have to talk about it and players have to talk about it and and official, you know, school Twitter accounts are making comments and jokes about it. So it's obviously something that that people care about. Taylor, I want to start with you here. What is your take on this whole horns down thing? Do we do should we actually care about it? Like why why has this become such a thing that even the Big 12 stepping in to say, okay, guys, we we can't do this anymore? It's a joke. If, if, if you want my honest opinion, this whole situation's a joke. I mean, if there's any team out there that has kind of earned the right to do the horns down or whatever, it's Oklahoma. I mean, come on, like this is, this is part of the rivalry. And so I think that, you know, it, it's kind of funny because the big 12 essentially is the one that started this whole thing. Now I know a lot of people want to blame Texas and Tom Herman. And, you know, I was in the postgame press conference when he discussed taunting talking about the West Virginia game last year. Now, West Virginia was called for the taunting penalty by doing the horns down, but that's not what Tom Herman was talking about. Tom Herman was talking about the fact that Will Greer ran into the end zone and led himself with the ball over the goal line, which according to the NCAA rulebook is a taunting penalty. It is a 15-yard penalty, and it negates a touchdown. That's what Tom Herman was talking about. And somehow it is divulged into this whole thing that Texas has come up with you know, they were complaining about horns down and stuff. So, I mean, honestly, it's kind of funny to me just hearing it because, like, I, like I, I rarely defend Tom Herman, but I'm going to defend him in this because he's never, ever, I've never once heard him say that that should be a penalty, the horns down thing. I think that most people who are fans of Texas or around these parts, I don't think many people really, unless you're just kind of the PC crowd that gets, you know, your, uh, your pants in a wad over the littlest things. I really don't think that too many people here to, you know, care too much about the horns down, but especially when that you are playing OU. I mean, let's be honest. One of the things that Texas says about OU is whatever time o'clock it is and quote unquote, OU sucks. Like, so if they can't do horns down, why are Texas fans allowed to say that? You know, it's just kind of like, where are we going to end it? I think it's so soft. I think it's ridiculous. I think if any team, especially out there, has earned the right to do horns down to Oklahoma. And the fact that this is something now that kind of takes over the talk for this rivalry is just shows like how soft this culture is that we're in right now to be entirely honest. Taylor, I think you, you touched on it that I want to get back to in a second, but Joe, uh, let, I want to hear you weigh on it first. Yeah. I think we should really uh, respect our brother, Sam Ellinger and, you know, horns up 
for peace. I'm fully on board with the movement. You know, we should respect these young men and, you know, the hard work that they put in for the great University of Texas and not show our disrespect. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I can't, no, I'm, I, in all seriousness, it's, it's so dumb. If, if you're offended by it, you shouldn't be allowed to watch college football. Like there should be police to monitor you and you shouldn't be allowed to watch the game. It's so dumb that this is a thing we're still talking about. I went on a podcast about a year ago and they asked me about this and I was like, this is kind of dumb um, that we're talking about this, but sure, let's talk about it. And we're still talking about it, you know, a year later we have a virtually top 10 matchup between OU and Texas. And this is, this is the storyline. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that uh, it, it's become this huge, huge deal. And uh, I'm personally super excited for the day that it, you know, ends. Um, I do hope that OU's players ironically throw the horns up if they score a touchdown. I'm not cheering for OU to win this game or anything like that, but I just want to see, where they can take this and just really just rip into the big 12 for this, for, as Taylor said, just a soft, soft move. Okay. So for me, it's a non-issue. It was more about taunting. It was just saying, you know, how it's used and it became this issue. And I, I don't think the big 12 expected it to blow up kind of like it has in the media. I, I honestly, this is something I feel like the media has blown out of proportion, you know, uh, at a time when there's not a lot of content and, and they, they just ran wild with it and it's just snowballed from there and then snowballed over the off season and, and everything else like that. And really it was about just how it's used, you know, in general, there's nothing wrong with it, but if you're going to throw it like in another player's face, you know, it's just general taunting. It's not really about the hand signal itself. It's, it's just taunting in general, but Taylor, I think you hit on it. I think it's the fact that Tom Herman was complaining about it. The fact that he complained about it, given his personality that has made it this uh, the thing that it's become. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's the thing that's kind of ironic about it is like he wasn't even complaining about the horns down. Like that wasn't the taunting penalty that he was complaining about. So I, I think you're probably right. You know, I think that that having any type of taunting penalty when it it just rarely is called, especially for something like that, where it's West Virginia doing it, you know, I think that was something that people kind of grasped a hold of and just ran with. I mean, you know, we live in a clickbait type of society. And so if they think that, you know, obviously the Big 12 thought this was a big enough deal to make it some type of rule. So of course, you're going to have media members just run with this and want to just like beat this dead horse into the ground. But it's kind of like it's a dead horse now. You know, I think at mm -hmm. this point, if, if, a, if a Texas player were to run across the field and do horns up to OU players, that should be taunting too. You know what I mean? So I think that this is something where if it's used in a situation, you're celebrating a play, you're not doing it to somebody face-to-face -face or to a whole sideline or whatever it may be. Okay, that's fine. Like, it shouldn't be a taunting penalty. Now, if there are those type of scenarios where that's what the West Virginia player was flagged for, so he went to the Texas sideline and – or face the Texas sideline, I should say, and then did it to the fans. That's why he was called for taunting. But the whole thing is just such a joke. I mean, it's just like, let's talk about football here. I mean, these teams are meeting for, what, the 115th team in the Cotton Bowl, or 15th time in the Cotton Bowl. Like, let's talk about that. Let's not talk about the hand signals they're giving each other unless they're flipping each other the bird. Like, that's what we can talk about if that's the case. I mean, at this point, I think the bird would be less offensive than the horns down is, is the way that I grasp it. Yeah, like, that is it's so ridiculous that it's gotten to this point. So I'm I'm curious, I'm less 
interested in your overall prediction. Um, but in the last five meetings between these teams, in the regular season, let's take the the Big Twelve title game out because I do think that's a different scenario than normal when you're playing a second a, a team a second time. Uh, but the last five regular season meetings have been decided by five points, seven points, five points, five points, and three points. Do you and, and Joe? I'm gonna let you take this one first. Do you expect another close? close game like like it kind of has been or do you see one reason or another that one team might run away with this one you know I I expect it to be close I think both teams are really good this year and the fact that you know Texas is you know they're back um, is you know kind of a good thing for the rivalry but at the same time I don't know if you see OU come out as sluggish they have in the past it does feel like with when Texas has been down OU's kind of taking this game for game for granted and it, it's kind of felt that way since about 2013 that they've kind of just, you know, uh, would kind of go through this game through the first half and get down. And, you know, sometimes they've been able to come back, but uh, it's just been, it's just been such a series or it's just been such a rivalry where Texas has been the more physical team more often than not. Um, but I do think that OU just, if, if they're marginally better defensively last year, I think they win in Dallas, and I think that they can do that again this season. Or I think they can do that this season. Taylor, same thing. What, what What's kind of your expectation for what we're going to see on Saturday as far as is this going to be a close game or are we gonna, we're going to see Texas or OU kind of blow it out? I mean, it's rare, honestly, that I ever expect a blowout. Now, I've seen some of the worst blowouts in this game. Like, I was on the field of the 2012 game, so I've seen the bad ones for Texas in this, but – you know, Yikes. I think that, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not even, I'll tell you guys a quick funny story. I'm not lying. I had the OU fight song literally ringing in my ears for like four <laughs> five days after that because of how <laughs> it was played. Like, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like I even told my husband at the time, I was like, I'm going crazy. I'm hearing the song like nonstop. <laughs> but, if um, anything should be a penalty, it's the OU fight song. <laughs> no, no, but I do think that, you know, I, I don't expect anything other than a close game. I think that, you know, I think this is this is where these are probably the two best teams, co- like collectively coming together that have you know faced off in this in this rivalry in recent years. Now, obviously, Oklahoma has been a far superior team than Texas every year, but I think this is the closest that they've been kind of toe to toe, and so um, at least you know in the last probably five six years or something like that, and probably longer than that actually, but. You know, I do think that this is going to be it's called the Red River Shootout. I know PC crowd doesn't like that. They call it the showdown or rivalry, but this is a shootout for a reason. You're going to expect these two teams to just go head to head and it's going to be a shootout. And if if something else happens, I will be I will leave the Cotton Bowl like absolutely shocked if this one way or the other is a blowout. So I, I definitely expect another close game. So this is tough because if, if Texas was fully healthy then I would say this is going to be a battle. But with OU, if they're like, like man, if their defense is, is I, I don't know. If this is going to be a blowout, it's going to be on OU's side. And uh, I, I I think that this might be a game where, where the Sooners kind of show themselves as a legit national contender. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting, though, because I have a lot of respect for Texas. Uh, I'm absolutely on the Texas's back train. Uh, I mean, just the way they've played with the health issues they've done to this point. But if it's going to eventually catch up with them, it'll probably be on Saturday. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see that. You know, I think that that's the kind of unknown right now for Texas is how much are these issues or these injuries, especially on defense, really going to impact this game. And, you know, if it wasn't for Sam Ellinger and the offense and how well they've played so far this season, I would definitely agree with you. I would I would think the exact same thing that this could be a chance for Oklahoma to really just make a statement and to run away with this win. Um, but I do think at this point, you know, I mean, the the lowest scoring game that Texas has had so far this season was, what, 36 points against Oklahoma State. So um, if anything, the offense has proven that it can stay in a game so far. That hasn't really been the case for Texas every single, you know, week in and week out in um, the last couple of years, even under, you know, especially in 2017. Last year is a little bit different, but Texas kind of was playing up, up or down to its opponents a lot last year. But I think that, you know, at this point, it's hard for me to see a blowout. From, and it could obviously happen. I'm not, I'm not, you know, degrading OU. I think Oklahoma is probably better than their current ranking personally. I think Jalen, Hur- Jalen Hurst is one of my favorite players in college football right now. So I definitely think that if there's any talent, you know, one team that could really just make that statement is probably Oklahoma. But, you know, I think with the way that the Texas offense has been playing, it's hard to really expect them to just kind of roll over and not keep in a shootout type of situation. And they, they definitely played LSU pretty close, uh, had chances to win that game, uh, despite the fact that LSU was rolling out this new thing Herb Street had never seen before. You know, it was kind of this hurry up, you know, spread style offense. Other teams should try it, you know, should check it out because it was uh, pretty impressive. But Texas hung with them. And uh, if they didn't get blown up by LSU, then, then you know, I don't know. This is probably going to be close. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so let's wrap on this. Uh, obviously, the game morning kickoff always coincides with the Texas State Fair. Um, so, real quick, Taylor, if everybody wants to check out the work you do covering Texas, where can they do so? And and what is the one thing you must eat at the Texas State Fair this weekend? <laughs> um, so, well, if you want to check out my work, it's over at Horns Twenty Four Seven. So it's part of the Twenty Four Seven Sports Network. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Estes Two Four Seven. Um, with the state fair, the food, honestly, one of my favorite things I've had over the years are fried moon pies, which are weird. Cause I don't like moon pies by themselves, but when I've had them fried, oh my goodness, those things are delicious. There's like one little stand that has it kind of in the middle of, um, I, I, I can't tell you exactly where it is. Cause I always get confused when I'm there, but fried moon pies, look it up. Those are, those are solid for sure. And stay away from fried, fried beer. If you've ever been there if that's even still a thing I had to do that one time when I worked in radio and I had to just put on the biggest smile ever as I ate that thing because it was so awful so do not try fried beer (laughs) how does that even work they fry like an ice cube or so it essentially I don't know how they do it it essentially looks like a ravioli and almost a pretzel consistency but inside of it is warm beer and it does not matter how much queso or nacho cheese you put on that thing. You cannot get that taste out of uh, your mouth. So, unfortunately, I had to do it with a camera in my face, and I tried so hard to just gag it down. <laughs> but um, anybody who watched that could see, like, wow, that's a terrible food because of the expression on her face. <laughs> so stay away from fried beer. We're going to have to try and find that clip and tweet it out. Uh, Joe, for everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering the Sooners and uh, and your fantastic podcast, uh, where can they do so? And what is your favorite must-have food from the Texas State Fair? 
Well, you all can find me at by Joe Bettner on Twitter. Uh, I write for the Norman Transcript. It's just normantranscript.com. Um, covering OU football. And we, yeah, uh, another OU football podcast. If you want to check it out, it's uh, um, we go about once a week and then have a post game podcast. So lots of content there. Um, the must have the Texas State Fair is, I don't feel like it's competition, it's a Fletcher's corny dog. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it feels like the little too obvious, although recently they had a, I don't know if they have it anymore, but a funnel cake bacon cheeseburger that I had, um, I think two years ago and it was, (laughs) it was amazing. Um, I don't care. Don't let your friends shame you into thinking that your food choices are bad. Um, at the Texas state fair, it's kind of like international waters. Anything goes, um, just it's it's great. Um, so, uh, but the Fletcher's corny dog is something I will go out of my way on Saturday to get. Um, and it's just it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like you go to OU Texas unless you get a Fletcher's corny dog to me. But that's uh, that's just my opinion. That's Fair funny you know, because uh, Texas at their home games they have Fletcher's corny dog stand right outside the game. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great one. But I see it every week. I don't even think about it. <laughs> but we don't uh, we don't have much in Oklahoma, so we have to kind of rely on Texas to provide us with really good things. So and I'm not afraid to admit that o- Oklahoma finally got the beer situation sorted. But yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the Bud Light flowing in, in, in Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium is really lit, so gotta love uh, Bud Light <laughs> and Michelob. Um, well, even, I was I was just saying the general state of Oklahoma. You know, oh, not, well, yeah, that, that's, a, I mean, it's such an antiquated state. It's, it's amazing it's still in the Union. I feel like it should be a review process sometimes, just like, is this still good enough? And uh no, Oklahoma's coming a long way to get actual beer in grocery stores, um, and uh, you don't have to order a three-point, or you don't have to buy three-point beer from a gas station anymore. It's uh, all the way up to five and six points, so it's it's good times in Norman. <laughs> oh, yes, the way God intended. Um, you guys enjoy the game on Saturday. I will be uh, sadly not enjoying some fried Oreos. I can't help it. They're just they're just so simple and delicious. Uh, but the game should be awesome. I will be watching. I'm actually going to be in Houston this weekend, which is, yeah, anyways. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think Chris is looking forward to it. Chris, what's your what's your fair food? Yeah. I can't, It's been a long time since I've been to the fair. I haven't been to the, the Red River Shootout in, some, in a few years. So I really don't know if I have a favorite food. I always, I gravitate towards like just normal stuff like corn dogs or, uh, Indian tacos, you know, you, mm. it's boring, but you know, it's just, I can't, I can't, I can't do the, you know, it's already an uphill battle for me <laughs> eating healthy. So I can't, man, that I, I just, if I indulge in that, then I, I may never recover. Chris Ross, the health nut, everybody. All right. Yeah. Uh, again, <laughs> Taylor Joe thank you very much appreciate you guys coming on and uh, seriously enjoy the game on Saturday it should be a good one thanks so much Philip thanks Philip appreciate you having me Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, 
rate and review the show five stars. Please, it helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-M, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-M, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.